0: Everybody, welcome to Mosaic Church on Thanksgiving weekend. How did you How did you guys' Thanksgiving go? Everybody, have a good time. Yeah, good times. Uh, any food fights, family uh, fist fights? No, that's that's good. I'm so happy uh, that your family was without incident. Uh, you know, sometimes when family gets together, it's a little, uh, you know, you never know what's gonna happen. Anybody have a family like that? Any uncle uh, Uncle uh, Rico's in the room or, uh, you know, whoever your crazy uncle is. Well, man, I hope you had a, a peace-filled Thanksgiving and th- that things went well. But man, I'm so thankful uh, for just being here, here at church. Uh, Um, Next weekend, we're gonna start a new series called God With Us, and so invite your friends. We're gonna dive into the Christmas season, and it's gonna be awesome. But one more thing that I'm thankful for before we get into today's message is you guys, because last week um, for our one-day initiative, uh, we are gonna be able to send a check tomorrow to uh, Convoy of Hope for $15,000. How about it? And as you heard throughout the last month, that is a day, that is a ton of spending power to feed kids around the world. And so you guys showed up and um, in a powerful way and stepped out in faith. And I am so thankful for every single one of you that gave. If you're like, man, I missed it. Maybe I was gone and I want to give to that initiative. It's still open online. We'll shut it down tomorrow. And so you can jump online today if you still want to give your one day uh, gift. Um, and so today's the last day. But man, we're just so thankful for you and in and, and your generosity and how we gave last week. All right, let's take a couple polls real quick as we jump in today. Pumpkin pie or fruit pie? Everybody with the pumpkin pie, uh, raise your hand. Fruit pie, raise your hand. Uh, pumpkin pie won that one. All right, just, just saying. Uh, how, about, how about this? Chocolate pie or pecan pie? Yes, <laughs> right? So chocolate pie, how many chocolate pie people we got? How many pecan pie people we got? Oh, pecan pie decimated that time. All right, so the two two winners here, we got pecan pie or pumpkin pie? Pecan pie? Pumpkin pie. I can't even tell. That one's pretty split. Um, what, about, what about this one? Uh, and if you're watching online with us today, first of all, welcome, but you can type your, type your votes in the chat. So throw your favorite pie in the chat. And then uh, what, about, what about this one? Uh, football or shopping on Friday? Football and, or shopping? That one was pretty close, but football totally won. Um, so so uh, yeah, football's the winner. And, and here's the one that was really important yesterday. Ohio State? Or who has the courage to raise their hand for Michigan? Oh, there's a few. I'm surprised you had the courage to lift your hand. But hey, Mosaic is a place for everybody, even people that vote, that that cheer for that team up north. And so, man, we love you too. And uh, I'm I'm not a fan of either, and so I'm a neutral party in this conversation. Um, but how, And then one more, how about this? Christmas, you had it set up before Thanksgiving Day. Raise your hand. How many of you set it up after Thanksgiving Day? Okay, all y'all that get Christmas going in October, you just need to take a chill pill and, and get on with the rest of the world. And Christmas does not start until last Friday. Um, and so just so you know, and all you pumpkin spice people just need to simmer down, right? But for some people, you know, you get into this holiday season and, and man, for a lot of people, man, there's lots of good memories. But then for some people, you know, it just highlights how life has kind of fallen apart, and, and some of you, man, you, those memories of how it used to be still warm your heart. And for some of you, it's just like, man, it almost gets a little bit more depressing when the holidays come because, because there's been some losses in your life or there's been some hurt and pain. For some of you, it's a season of abundance. And, man, it was just all good. And you had all the warm fuzzies. You had the, the fireplace going. You had the drink in your hand. You had the, the, the pie. Um, some of you had two pieces of pie, some of you had three pieces of pie, that's my son, you know, it was like, dude, how many pieces of pie are you gonna eat? Um, my boys my boys brought their A-game uh, in their stretchy pants this this Thanksgiving, but for all of us, and this is what we're gonna talk about today, for all of us, it's God's will to be thankful, right? It's God's will, it's not a suggestion, it's not just a, a hot topic, it's not, it's definitely not a feeling, right? It's not a feeling. And so what is it? So today we're gonna to look at a passage that seems on the surface like it might not apply to us, but it really is gonna hit closer to home than you might think today. And so turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 17, 11 through 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19. And let's read this story. You can follow along in your notes there today. It's gonna to be on the screens. You can pull out your Mosaic app and the new notes are there as well. But let's read together. It says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out. And they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, "'Praise God!' He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, "'Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner?' And Jesus said to the man, "'Stand up and go!' Your faith has healed you. Let's pray. God, I just pray today that as we begin to get into your word, that you just open up the places of our heart that we haven't let anybody else go. God, the places of our hearts that maybe are feeling a little bit of of, uh, depression or pain or anxiety. God, the places of our heart that have been hard because we've just kind of gotten calloused by life. God, the places of our heart that might be filled with a little bit of pride, or, or um, maybe we feel a little invincible. God, whatever's going on in our heart, we invite you to come in and to rearrange and to do what only you can do, remodel, do some demolition and build us back up into something that looks more like you. Jesus, looking like you and being like you, Is our highest goal in life we want to love you with our actions with our attitudes with our thoughts with our words with everything that we are we want to put you first and so we invite you to do a powerful work in our lives today in jesus name amen amen so the first thing that we see from this story today that that you might see 10 guys with leprosy and and you might say man those guys really need jesus right They really needed Jesus. But the first thing that we learn is that we all have a desperate need. We all have a desperate need. So these guys had a physical need and they came to Jesus and they cried out. They said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. You know, my question for you today, have you ever been in a place in life where you were at your wits end, you were at that breaking point and you, you just didn't know what you, what you were gonna do next and you came to God and maybe it was in the quiet of your own bedroom and maybe it was quietly and no one else heard, but even just in the deep recesses of your heart and mind, you cried out to God and you said, God, please just have mercy on my life. Everything's gone wrong, whether my home was broken by divorce or, or by disease or by relational conflict, or you just feel like a failure. Have you ever been there where maybe you didn't say it out loud for anybody to hear because you were just ashamed, but deep down in your heart, you're crying out for God to have mercy on you. As we'll see in this story, the lepers, they didn't care where Jesus was going or what was on his schedule or what was on his agenda. It says that he was just going along. He continued on his journey towards Jerusalem and Jesus was a busy man. A lot of times he would minister from morning till night. He would stay up all night praying sometimes. He he had stuff to do, he had places to go and people to see. But these guys didn't care. Why? Because they had a desperate need. They had realized that, that man, if it weren't for Jesus intervening in their life, they would continue to be outcasts. See, they had this this, this disease called leprosy, which in that day, it it was just a death sentence socially and emotionally and in, in every way that you thought possible. And so they had gathered together because they could only be around each other. They couldn't be around anybody else. They, I'm sure, were feeling alone, desperate, and helpless. And I don't know about you, but when you get desperate, you might do things that you wouldn't normally do And so Jesus is going along his way and they interrupt his schedule. They don't care what anybody else thinks and they cry out, Jesus have mercy on us. Have you ever done that to someone? You know, one time we were, um, and and sometimes in life, you know, you just do stupid things. And and this was one of my stupid things. I got everybody in the car and we're we're going down, um, I I think on like a Thanksgiving trip or um, we we were gonna drive like four hours. And we lived out in the country back in Illinois. And so it took us 20 minutes just to get on the interstate. And so we finally get on the interstate and literally like a mile down the road, my car starts to sputter and I look down and there was no gas in the tank, right? There's no gas in the, and I've got kids in the car and it's Northern Illinois in the middle of winter and it's cold outside. And I'm like, dad fail of the year, I'm an idiot, right? And, and so I, I was able to pull off on a ramp and pull up to the top of this exit before the car just completely gave out. And so what did I do? I got out and I shamelessly start flagging cars down. And so luckily, I mean and I was on one of those desolate exits that had no gas station. You ever been there before? And it's like, it's just a miracle that somebody came by and luckily it was a mom with her daughter and they, I must've not looked too crazy. I must've like combed my hair that day um, and, and put on um, some, some, you know, not too crazy clothes. And, and so she pulled over, she was like, what's up? And I'm like, I got my kids in the car, ran out of gas. You know, can you please take me to get gas? And so she drove me to the next es- exit. She brought me back. It was a miracle, right? but I showed desperation in that moment because of my circumstances that I wouldn't normally do, right? We all know the feeling. You know, the scholars even say that these, these guys that, that shouted out to Jesus with leprosy, it says that they shouted from a distance. They stood at a distance crying out. And why was that? Because guess what? With leprosy, they were commanded by the law to maintain a at least six-foot distance. Can you imagine? Long before we go through all this ordeal of COVID, there was a six-foot distance rule back in the day. And so we can all kind of relate. It's like, I don't don't want to stay at six-foot distance. I want to hug people. How many huggers out there? Let's just be honest. You know, you want to hug. You're like Elf, and you're just like, give me a hug. And so... We all know what that feels like. They And they respected that. They knew that they were unclean and they shouted from a distance. Have you ever been that person shouting from a distance, maybe not with your words, but with your actions, and you're just hoping that somebody sees you, hoping that somebody sees the pain that you're going through, hoping that somebody reaches out because you need a healing touch. Many times though, instead of getting desperate with Jesus, when, when we realize that we can't fix ourselves on our own, instead of getting desperate with Jesus, we try to get to Jesus on intellect, on works, on being good enough, on, on just doing the right things. Well, maybe if I just work hard enough, maybe if I just, um, if I'm a really good parent, maybe if I just raise really good kids, maybe if my kids are really good at sports, right? Maybe if, maybe if they just, you know, if I just do a few things right, maybe God will look down on me and have mercy on my life. Maybe if I'm really smart, maybe if I could just figure out life, maybe God will approve of me. Maybe if I, I, I climb up the ladder at work and make this much money and get this kind of house and, and do all this, maybe, maybe then God will hear me. Because even when we do those things, there's this place in our heart a God-shaped hole that, man, is still not filled. And we're still desperate to get close to Jesus. And so many times we, get, we try to get to Jesus on these type of things. But the road to Jesus we see here is much more humble than that. Listen, and this is in your notes, desperation, it's a humbling thing. I can only imagine these guys crying out in this crowd they gotta be ashamed, but not too ashamed to scream out in desperation to Jesus. Desperation, it's a humbling thing, but it's not a bad thing. And I just wanna encourage you, if you found yourself in a place where you're just desperate for a change in your life, that you need something different, you, the life that you've lived, you've realized is just not working, it's okay to interrupt Jesus on his schedule and what we, what he's got going. Why? Because he loves you that much. And it doesn't matter where he's going or what he's doing. His ears are always attentive to his children. And when his children cry out, he hears them. You can cry out to Jesus today in this kind of desperation. And the cool thing is, is Jesus doesn't even care how close you get. He doesn't, you don't have to stand at a distance. You don't have to, to, to be ashamed of what you've gone through or what you're carrying. Jesus loves you that much. Desperation, it's a humbling thing, but it's not a bad thing. And the men in this story, they weren't about to let life pass them by. They saw their opportunity and they took it. Sometimes you just gotta be real about where you're at that maybe your family or your marriage is not good. Maybe, you know, you you feel like you're losing your job or you're stuck in addiction, or there's this secret issue in your life that no one knows about, an untouchable issue, and you feel like if, if you share that with people, they're just never gonna treat you the same. But in your desperation, don't stay quiet. Cry out to Jesus. Listen, not asking for help is not brave it's not manly, it's not tough, it's dumb. Ask for help. Now, if you wanna suffer on your own to fix your mower or the dishwasher, any guys like that, you're not not calling that technician, you're gonna figure it out. You know, if you wanna suffer like that, go right ahead. Knock yourself out. But when it comes to the big issues of life, don't let Jesus pass you by. Don't let him pass you by. The second thing that we see in the story is that faith and provision go hand in hand. Faith and provision go hand in hand. Jesus says to these guys after the crying out, he says, go and show yourselves to the priests." That's all he said. I can only imagine if I was those guys, I'd, I'd be like, what? But obviously they knew something that I don't. And because they just listened and they just went. So they must have known that if Jesus said, go your soul, show yourself to the priest, that that means that change is coming. And so what does it say? As they went, they were, clean, they were cleansed of their leprosy. You know, you or I might be tempted. If Jesus said, go your, show yourselves to the priest, we might say, well, Jesus, I'm not ready. I'm not clean yet. I've still got the leprosy. I've, got still, I've, I've still got the junk. How am I going to go show myself to the priest when I'm not clean? But Jesus said, go. And they went, and they obeyed. And it says, as they went, not before they stepped out, not before they went, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And so Jesus in this instance didn't say, you're healed. He just said, go. Listen, if you want God to do the super in your life, you've got to do the natural. If you want God to show up like only he can, sometimes you gotta do the things that you can do, right? You gotta do your part. Jesus usually, not always, but usually meets my needs while I'm on the road of obedience, right? My street that I live on, it's called Hollow Creek, right? And so that's where I pass every day. I live on that road. I, I see that sign all the time. The next time you leave your street, next time you leave your neighborhood, look up at that street sign and just imagine it says obedience. That's the street that Jesus wants you to drive on every day, to live on every day, and to to operate in. And so when does Jesus meet your needs? When you're living on the road of obedience. Are you with me? Not just an act of obedience, not just an instance of obedience, not just a a, a I'm saying yes sometimes, but the long, never-ending road of obedience. Many times when it comes to following Jesus in the Christian life, we say, I tried that, right? I went to church for a while. I tried to get in some relationships that would help me, you know, and they broke my heart. They betrayed me. I didn't feel like they understood me. We, we say all kinds of things. I tried that before, Joe. It doesn't work. But it's not just a one-time thing. You might have said, I tried church. I tried reading the Bible. I tried studying. I tried that new habit. I tried that new relationship. I tried a life group. That was a disaster. I tried trusting Jesus. I tried leading. It didn't work for me. And I would just humbly encourage you today that it's not just a one-time thing. It's a long road of obedience. And a lot of times we say yes and we step out and we do what God has called us to do long before we see the breakthrough. Me and my um, family, we we went camping and I I feel like I've told you uh, some of this uh, already, but this last summer we went to the Smokies and we had a great time. And um, one, and we picked some you know, great hikes to go on, but one in particular was really cool. It's called Ramsey's Cascades. And if, if you've done that hike, you know that it's a grueling hike. You know, when you look up the hikes and the reviews online, this one says like, like heavy or hard or extreme or grueling. And it's basically uh, four, between four and five miles uphill the whole entire way. And in many parts it's really steep and there's rocks and there's boulders to climb over. And so, needless to say, you don't see a lot of people on the trail. How many get my drift? Yeah, there's not a lot of people up there. You see a few, and, and most people, as you go along the way, they're they're complaining about how hard it is. But when you get to the top, you get to experience something amazing that honestly a lot of people don't get to experience because when they hear about how long it is and how hard it is, they're like, oh, not for me, right? And so you get to the top of Ramsey's Cascades, there's this amazing waterfall, there's, there's even a place where you can kind of soak your feet and hang out. Uh, me and my kids actually snuck behind the waterfall and got, a, got pictures and it was just awesome. Memories that like, you just can't replace. We'll always remember it, it was great. And on the way down, you know, of course, the way down, it's downhill. But by that time, your knees are hurting and, and everything hurts. And, and uh, we had already done a lot of long hikes that week. And so we're just kind of in pain on the way down. But on the way down, we, we had this realization, you know, how many people will never see this, this waterfall because of how difficult it is. And it makes me think about this story. How many people will never see what God can do in their life, will never see the things that are possible simply because they're unwilling to take some steps down the road of obedience before God provides. And sometimes those steps are uphill. Sometimes we take those steps without seeing God show up. Sometimes we give it a season and we're like, no, God, I tried. You didn't show up. Listen, God's provisions are simply landmarks along the road of obedience. And you and I, we don't get to choose when or how they show up, right? We don't get to choose when or how they show up. God's grace shows up now and then no matter what. And aren't you thankful for that? And almost all of us can point to a time in our life where man, there was somebody there for us or somebody somebody did something for us that was completely undeserved, unprovoked and it was awesome. And we're like, thank God for those moments. And those are God moments. And so God shows up in that way sometimes and that's just by his grace. But God's provisions many time are landmarks along the road of obedience. The two don't cancel each other out, those grace moments and those moments of provision, they complement one another and that's just how good God is. But I would just say, if you're waiting for your moment of provision, don't give up. Because as you go and say yes to Jesus, if you're faithful, he's gonna continue to provide. Matthew 25, 23 says, and this is in the middle of a parable where Jesus gave multiple guys talents and some of them used them well, one didn't, he buried his talents. But to the guys who used their talents well, the master said, well done my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together, right? Faith and provision go hand in hand. Number three, thankfulness is God's will. We see this in this story, it's not a suggestion, it's not just a, a feeling, right? It's literally God's will. And so what happened in the story? It says that one of them, everybody say one. How many of guys were there? 10, there was 10. But just one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. Now, I don't know how far away the priest was. I don't know what that process looked like. I don't know how much time passed. It doesn't say that. But all that we know is that just one of them came back. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, Your faith has healed you. Man, think about that. He's the only one that came back. But let's twist it just a little bit more. And here's how we have to think if we're gonna have a thankful heart today. He's the only one that got a second meeting with the king. How many of you are content on just one meeting every once in a while? And you get what you came for, and it's like, oh, I'm good. Man, that was a great service. I don't think I need to go back to church for a month. I feel great. How many times do we operate in that kind of attitude? It's like, we get just enough. These guys, nine of them, they got just enough healing. It's like, oh man, I'm good. But the one who is thankful got a second meeting with the king. He got an audience with the king. I love that. And not only that, we see here that Jesus expected more of them to return. Jesus was surprised that the other nine didn't come back, right? And I love when it, when, when, um, in the Greek, when it says that this man, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him. The Greek word that is used there is eucharisteo. Eucharisteo. And maybe if you come from a Catholic background or, or some other church background, you recognize the first part of that word, the Eucharist. And this is, this is the word that we use, for, that, that many traditions use for communion. And it literally means to give thanks. And I just love this, that, they, that this guy's coming to Jesus' feet and he's giving thanks to the one who created what now today we call the Eucharist. He was thankful, and what Eucharisteo literally means is to be thankful for God's good grace his undeserved, his unwarranted, his freely given grace. And not only that, it's not it, it can be used in the form of a noun, but in this instance, it was used as a verb. It's a verb, not a feeling. It's a verb, not a feeling. Love this. He comes in, he's got thankfulness on his heart. And I can only imagine that, that, that um, it, you know, this was just the kind of person he was. It wasn't just something that he did just because he got healed. He was a person of thankfulness. In Psalms 100 uh, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. What does that verse tell us about, about thankfulness? That thankfulness. It happens upon entrance. It happens upon entrance before you're served, before you meet with Jesus, before you experience his presence. Enter, we enter his gates with thanksgiving before we get anything from him. And this is a deeper level of thanksgiving. This is a deeper level of a thankful heart. What does that verse tell us? That thankfulness is even a prerequisite to worship that before I tell God how good he is or I receive anything from him, I'm thankful for him. I enter with a thankful heart. It's almost like sending the thank you card before you even go to the house. Or it's like you show up to your friend's house for dinner and you walk in the door and you hand him that thank you card. Hey, thanks for letting me come tonight. And that's just a little off from our perspective, right? A lot of times we, we go and we have a good time and then afterwards we write the thank you, thank you card. But the Bible's saying, hey, let's flip that script. <clears throat> you know, it's, very, it's right and expected to come back and say thanks afterwards like this man did. But man, we're supposed to be people of thanksgiving <clears throat> that we enter his courts with praise and with thanksgiving. You know, how does this translate to our lives? How can we be thankful people? This means that we're not only thankful during you know those special times of the service. You know sometimes, and and I grew up in a in a kind of charismatic Pentecostal church, and 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 you know there something happened a lot of times between that third and fourth song. How many of you know what I mean? It's like there's this 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 somehow uh, special time of service that between those songs, you know, usually you know something happened. And while that absolutely can happen, I think it's a little funny when it's like, oh, this is a special time of service. As if God can't move during the first song. As if I can't be just as thankful as I walk into service as I am after I've gotten all warmed up. Because you know what that says to me? If I have to wait a few songs before I get thankful, then it's more about me than it is about him. Let that sink in a little bit. Man, if if we have to prime the pump a little bit before we are able to really get into God's presence and be thankful, then I would just challenge you and say, we're not doing it right. We're not doing it right. You don't have to get warmed up to get into the presence of Jesus. Why? Because he doesn't change. We're the only people that change. And so we can enter his courts with the same heart, of thankfulness. I'd say a really convicting question in this regard is that are you going more after Jesus's hand or his heart? Are you going more after what he gives you or more after who he is? Do you really want to know what he wants for you? Do you really want to know what he has for you in your life? Are you just looking to get something from him? Obviously, the nine out of 10 lepers, man, they took what they got and they ran. But we want to be like the one who came back who had a heart of thankfulness, right? He wasn't the obvious candidate, he was a Samaritan. And maybe you say, Joe, I'm not a good candidate to follow Jesus. I haven't lived right, I haven't done right, I haven't talked right, I haven't been right. And I would just say you're exactly the kind of person that Jesus welcomes into his presence. Why? Because we see it right here. The Samaritans were, according to the Jews, were outcasts. They didn't want to be around them. So not only was he a leper, but he was a Samaritan. He was a person that he wasn't a church goer. He wasn't somebody that, that, that should have felt comfortable in Jesus's presence. But that didn't matter. Why? Because he saw Jesus for who he was, his master, his Lord. Many times we complained about not being in the presence of God that, oh man, I, I don't feel God like I used to, or man, I, I just don't have anything to be thankful for. I feel like God's left me. But man, this story just shows us that God's door is always open to, always open to a thankful heart. It's always open to a thankful heart. God's presence does, doesn't inhabit buildings. It's not in a song. It's not just in a special moment in a service. God's presence isn't just in the hymns or just in the modern worship music. He's not in a style. He's not, he's not in just certain moments. God's presence is in the praises and thankfulness of his people. And so, where are you at today? Do you have a critical heart? And the band, or um, actually, uh, Justin and Kelly are going to come, and, and Kathy's going to play, and we're going to sing uh, that Goodness of God song again here in a moment. But where are you at? Do you, do, As you look at your heart today, would you say you're carrying more of a critical spirit or a thankful heart? Would you you say you're in the group of the nine or are you the type of person that you're gonna continue to come back to Jesus and give thanks? Because a critical heart or an entitled heart usually says, let's see if I get fed today, let's see if God's gonna show up for me, right? But a thankful heart is worshiping and praising God because of who He is, not just what He's done, not just for what He does for me next, right? A critical heart is burdened by the weights of this world, always trying to solve the world's problems. But a thankful heart serves out of an abundance of joy. And what we see from this story is that a thankful heart always gets an audience. Why? Because before Jesus's body was broken, he gave thanks. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. And so he's the model for us. He shows us in this story that man, he expects thankfulness. He was surprised when they didn't give thanks. And then he was the ultimate model because before he went to the cross for you and for me, before his body was broken, he gave thanks. He said, this is how you do it. This is how you live life. You give thanks, and then you serve. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And so this morning, you might be in some tough circumstances. You might, you know, be going through it. Be thankful. You might be comparing yourself to others. Be thankful instead. You might be offended by something that happened at your Thanksgiving meal and frustrated with a family member. You know what? Be thankful. You might be about to give up. Be thankful anyway. You might feel like you've gotten cheated out of life the past two years. Be thankful anyway. It's God's will for you. What's the opposite of thankfulness? It's entitlement. It's this attitude that says, I deserve it. What if we just got rid of that and just came to Jesus with open hands and open heart? And you know, we're desperate at times and we know that we need things from him, but but man, we're just overflowing with thankfulness at the same time. And I just thought that a really good response to this this morning is would be to observe communion together. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 17, Paul said, is it not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ? The cup of thanksgiving. The ushers are gonna come to the front and um and we're going to take communion in a second but we just want to make sure that everybody has been served and so if you have not uh, had opportunity to get the elements if you could just raise your hand and then as the ushers go back they'll they'll be sure and stop by and 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 give you some elements to, to take communion this morning here at mosaic we serve an open communion which means that you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion but the bible is very clear that you know those who uh take communion need to have a relationship with jesus christ And so, hey, you can do that right now. You can begin a relationship with Jesus because of what he did on the cross for you, because he died and rose again. The Bible says that you can confess with your mouth and you can believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and you'll be saved. You confess that Jesus is Lord. Say, God, I wanna follow you. I wanna put you first. You know, it's because of what Jesus did for us that we can be thankful. And we see the pattern. The leper was healed. And the man returned with thanksgiving. And that's simply what we're doing today, Jesus, because you did so much for us. We come back to you with a thankful heart. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 11:23 23 through 26, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He broke it. When he had given thanks, not after, he was a thankful person first. And that's what God's calling us to do. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever, whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, amen. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna observe the elements together today. And so if you wanna go ahead and take that top layer off and get the bread ready. All right, let's pray for the bread. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your body that was broken for us on the cross. Where would we be, Jesus, if you had not laid down your life for us? And so not just because of everything you've done for us or not just because we feel like we deserve it or not just because you know we're broken, but God, just because of who you are, we say thank you. Jesus, we wanna be after your heart not just your hand. and so you proved to us that you loved us more than anything when when you died for us when we were still sinners. And so we thank you for your body. We thank you for your body that was broken for us in Jesus name. Amen. you can protect the blood or the, the bread today. If you want to open the juice portion of your cup there, Jesus said that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But because Jesus shed his blood for you on the cross, you're able to be forgiven. You're able to have a fresh start. His presence is able to take residence in your heart and in your life. And you're able to have power over sin and be a new creation to have a new life. What a miracle. Let's give thanks for that today. God, we thank you so much for your blood that was shed for us on the cross. There's no one like you. There's no one like you that would lay down their life for us when we were still sinners to put yourself in our place. And so we thank you for your shed blood today. In Jesus' name.